for your heart-stopping news-packed 60 minutes of radio trolling. Webmaster Radio presents The Pulse. The Pulse. Take your seat among the experts in the search engine marketing arena. This weekly radio show keeps you informed of the latest search news, offers insight on the biggest forum discussions, puts your finger on the pulse of the search marketing community. Our hosts have made their way to the round table. The Pulse, the Pulse. starts now. Hi, and welcome to The Search Pulse. Um, today is Tuesday, December 19th. It's the 13th edition of The Search Pulse. My name is Barry Schwartz. I run the Search Engine Roundtable. Um, also work at Rusty Brick. Like always, with me is Ben Pfeiffer, the senior editor of the Search Engine Roundtable. He goes in the name Phoenix sometimes, and he's from RankSmart.com. Also, we have Chris Box, the associate editor of the Search Engine Roundtable, who works in the SEO department as a search strategist as, at Avenue A Razorfish. Um, that that holiday commercial, the Happy Holidays commercial, is great. Um, I found it pretty interesting, pretty funny. I liked uh, Greg Bozer's uh, with the the monkey going, uh, who you know, you know, you know. <laughs> it was pretty funny. The monkey, the monkey noise, and everything. Um, also, on the so we're celebrating the the holidays right now. This week is Hanukkah, so we're celebrating the holiday of Hanukkah on the Search and Roundtable with a special lo- logo of the menorah and the dreidel, and have some more information about that at my personal blog. Uh, you know, Chris and Ben, you know, um, what do you think of, you know, that commercial? So, Chris, what are your thoughts on the commercial? General? I love it. It's cool. I remember when we recorded it, and I didn't know what was going to happen with it, and I think it turned out really good. Uh, good job, guys. Yeah, uh, I liked the commercial, too. I thought it was great to hear everybody's, uh, you know, holiday greeting. <laughs> cool. All right, so I posted a link to the Search Pulse 12th edition, the archive, um, in the chat room, so you can go ahead and check that out if you missed it last week. Otherwise, check it out at webmasterradio.fm. Just click in the archives section. You should be able to download the the past show there. Today, we have a special guest, Eric Ward. He's known as the you know grandfather of linking, of link building. He's been involved in link building for a long time. And uh, he has some interesting stories about how he got in, Amazon, and all that other stuff. But I'll leave that on the side right now. And I, Eric, are you there? I sure am. Hi, Eric. Nice to have you here. Um, we nice have a to topic that... Yeah, thanks. Uh, we have a topic for you that we thought would be great for you to discuss with us on the on, live on the air right now. It was a big thread that was that was basically started because of the Google Webmaster Central blog, where they wrote a blog entry called "Building Link-Based Popularity." And then, based on that, the Webmaster World thread came about, and they said it's official. Google is discounting reciprocal link exchanges, and it was, it's a huge thread right now. I think it's about eight or nine pages long right now. And it's one of the most um, active threads of this week. And I thought we'd get your thoughts overall on what the thread meant and what the blog post at, at uh, Google, Web, the Google Webmaster Central blog meant. So go ahead and take it away, Eric. Sure. And I've, I've followed the thread. Um, I've read uh, I've, as it's been added to over the, uh, since it first started. It's been very interesting to watch. I, I don't, I guess my, I have a, a little bit different opinion I know everybody likes to make fun. They call me Lincoln Moses or Grandfather of Lincoln. But now you guys remember, I do ha- I'm still fairly young. I have a four-year-old. In fact, you may hear him screaming in the backyard as we talk. So uh, what makes me Lincoln Moses, I think, is more the fact that I've been doing this for 13 years since before there were engines. So I have an approach to building links, uh, one-way links, reciprocal links, any type of links that uh, is a little bit different but I certainly am under, I understand the rules of the game, and I understand where, where people are coming from with their fears about reciprocal links. I do think, for the most part, as I looked at that thread, I think most people who are the, are, are the if you're concerned about reciprocal linking, that it's going to kill you, hurt your rankings with Google, 
Um, you've got to really question whether or not you might uh, uh, be up to a reciprocal linking strategy whose initial intent was to fool Google in the first place. I'm not saying everybody is and that they can't be people caught up in it, but um, for the most part, I think Google can, can do a fairly good job of understanding uh, and analyzing reciprocal links. I think the, the trouble comes in when people have tried to create a reciprocal link structure with an intent of improving search rank when that was never the original intent of what reciprocal links pages were for to begin with. Okay, that's, yeah, that's definitely a good point. It's all about intent, like you were saying. I agree with that a lot. Um, if you're building out reciprocal links for the traffic purpose, is that what you're saying? If people are using those links for traffic building ideas, is that what your idea is? Or? Well, I guess uh, one way to look at it, I, I, I don't believe any algorithm, Google, Yahoo, MSN, any, any bot can, can determine intent with any kind of real accuracy. I think they can try. I mean, there's signals. I call them, you know, signals of intent uh, that Google could look at if they were trying to determine, well, why is site A linking to site B? And, when, and in and of itself, the fact that site A links to B and B links back to A, therefore a reciprocal link exists, that in and of itself cannot ever be something that, on its, that just because of that that the existence of that link, there can be any intent determined. That, to me, means Google's got to look at something else. They've got to look farther. It's not just about a reciprocal link. Are there any other signals of intent? For example, site A links to site B, site B links to site A. But what if Google also noticed that site B has links from sites D, E, and F, and all of those are sites that Google has determined previously are link farms or are known link spammers. Ah, we've got a potential signal of intent here that means that we should more carefully analyze those links between A and B. I don't mean to make it sound harder than it, than it really is. It's really quite simple. If you, if, you think, if you think of it in terms of is there a logical, legitimate reason why, if in the absence of any search engines, you should give a link to a site and they should give a link back to you, then do it. If, you know, for, in other, ask yourself, the other, the other uh, test is the Matt Cutts test. If Matt Cutts was sitting on my shoulder, would I do this? <laughs> good point. That's a good one, Eric. Uh, i got a quick question for you, too. I mean, there's a big difference between, obviously, penalization and devaluation, I guess is the word, or devaluing of a link. Oh, yeah. Uh, would you think that uh, Google would be more inclined to devalue and unless they see a lot of these smoking guns like participations in link farms or, or so forth and, and, and or devalue immediately, ask questions and then potentially penalize or do you think they would go straight to a penalty or not go to a penalty at all unless they're involved in some other well, activities? Um, I think it would be foolish and reckless of Google to penalize a site based um, on any kind of reciprocal link structure without some pretty heavy-duty analysis. Now, during that time, I could easily see where Google might say, you know, we're not so sure if this site here, is, if the inbound link signature or inbound link profile is truly legitimate or, or natural, so we're going to examine it further. In the, in the meantime, as we examine it further, we are no longer going to give it credit for Say whatever number of links that they previously had been getting credit for. And I think there's the, where a lot of people think they've been penalized, they haven't. I've, I have clients who will say, we just went from uh, go, page, uh, position one, page one, to page 20, position 20, or position 10. What happened? We just got penalized. And a lot of times it's not a penalty at all. It's just that maybe there were a few hundred links out there that Google now feels suspicious about. So as it's doing further analysis, it's basically removing them from that bucket of links that were helping your rankings. 
Great. Great. Ben, do you have anything you want to add, Ben? Yeah, I had a final question for Eric, and this is maybe for some of the audience out there as well. Um, Eric, on your site, you talk about um, webmasters being able to tell the difference between a good link and a bad link and the, the differences between link quality on a particular site. And you mentioned specifically about newspaper sites where a um, newspaper site would not be as good as getting a site, say, on a professor site. So in your opinion, um, or maybe if you have some suggestions to the audience, how do they pick out pages that you would see as a um, high-quality link if they were doing the research on their own? Yeah, the, the example you just mentioned, I think, was specific to going after inbound links from .edu domains. That's another mm -hmm. one of those. Uh, um, it, it, I won't say it's a complete myth. I do believe there is a positive effect to be to to be garnered in your search rankings from getting a link from a .edu domain. However, there's a big difference between a student's personal homepage and a college professor or a department homepage. Um, so the 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 challenge I think anybody has to face when they're staring at the page where they would like to have the link is put yourself in the search engine's place. Would you trust that link? You know, people think that the engines aren't sophisticated enough to to get that granular with it. And to me, I don't think it's very hard at all. I mean, I don't have a Ph.D. or I don't know computer science. I mean, I'm a, I was a C student in college, but, man, I could talk to the Google Ph.D. guys all day long about EDU links. You know, if, if a site has a link, if an EDU site has a link to YouTube and MySpace and Napster, do you think the odds are pretty good that that's probably a student's page? Now, what if the site is, just does nothing but talks about, um, oh, I don't know, uh, um, animals, uh, uh, veterinary medicine, uh, course descriptions? Gee, that might be a, a vet school at an EDU. So I think the algorithmic footprint, that as, a, as, the, as the bots crawl the EDUs, I think it's pretty easy to, to spot when you can trust it algorithmically. And therefore, as, you, as a person, when you stare at that page, I mean, ask yourself, you know, if it's, if, it's not very hard to scam up links from a student.edu not even hard to scam up links from unprotected professors' blogs. I mean, we could, by tomorrow, we all could have hundreds of links from EDUs from blog professors who just didn't turn comments off. Yeah, it's, all you have to do is actually go to the Webmaster Radio chat room, and you're bound to find at least a few student EDU links for sale. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I'm not Eric? saying that I, I think all of these tactics should... Uh, I guess just recognize with any tactic that you use for link building that there are potential repercussions, you know, and don't be naive about it. You know why you're going after those EDU links. If it's purely for search rank and not because you have a site that's devoted to, say, um, well, I did a project for a client who, was, who sold equine supplies, horse uh, supplies to veterinary schools. And um, there, so I went out and I found every veterinary school commercial links page or links to commercial ventures I could find. And there were probably a couple hundred link targets there that are legit, bona fide. And there are places where this client should have links anyway, regardless of whether an engine gives you credit for them. But just because of the, of the, the, the nature of where those links are going to appear, the engines are going to give them credit for it. So, you, so in, in some ways, yeah, you can go after EDU links, but ultimately, if there's not a legitimate reason to be there, it's not going to help your search rank, or if it does, it won't be for long. Hey, Eric, um, and I hope you don't mind, Barry, but I'm just going to thank Eric. I know we've got other topics to move along, but I just wanted to add that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great honor having you on the show, and I hope that we can uh, have you on again uh, soon when we have uh, some more, especially link-related uh, topics uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Eric's uh, site is at ericward.com. Uh, I'll throw up a link in the uh, chat room in a minute. And uh, you can always catch Eric at the Search Engine Strategies uh, show speaking and uh, probably find him at some other places. But 
I thank you a lot for taking the time to come by, and, and I really like that Matt Cutts test idea. I think that's a great one. Uh, Barry or Ben, anything else before we uh, say goodbye? Okay, well, Eric. <laughs> well, yeah, so Eric, much, thank buddy. you very much. I appreciate it. And um, hey, No, thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you, it's an honor being on the show. I'm, uh, I'm out here in the middle of eastern Tennessee at the foothills of the Smokies, so I don't get a whole lot of uh, this, this kind of uh, um, A-list exposure. I'm kind of the, the lonely <laughs> link builder, so I'll be on any time you want. Oh, wow. Maybe you are an A-list, so you, it's, uh, it's an honor having you on, and I appreciate it. And have a great night. I appreciate Thanks, you coming guys. on. Bye-bye. Thanks, Eric. Great. Well, that was, that was fun having Eric on. Um, I think after the next topic, we're going to do one more topic and then get on to, and then take a little quick commercial break. But that did help a lot, um, understanding the link-building process and how search engines might look at it um, in the future, um, and now at least. So that's, that's a good, good point. Ben, do you want to add one more thing? Yeah, I just want to add one thing, and it was kind of the language you, Google used in that particular thread when they were talking about reciprocal links. They called them exchange links instead of reciprocal links, and I guess that kind of goes back to what Eric was talking about with intent. If you're exchanging a link, there's obviously an intent to exchange something, but if you have a reciprocal link, that can necessarily apply that. There's two links linking back and forth, but they're not necessarily intent to exchange. So I found that kind of interesting within how they said it. Right, definitely. Um but yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I, they, they use those words again. But I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm not too concerned about the actual words they use. But you might be right. I don't know. I really don't know. But anyway, that was a, it was a good topic. It's really a big. It's even now, it's a very hot debate. You know, topic out there. So go ahead and check it out at Webmaster World and also at our blog. We'll have links up tomorrow to all this information. Um, the next topic I wanted to discuss was another Google blog post, and they've been busy at the Google Webmaster Central blog where they define what duplicate content is. Um, Adam Lasnik, he's also, you know, he was hired to work under Matt and to help Matt with all the communication aspects. Um, he wrote a, po- a post called um, at, the, at the Google Webmaster Central about Google, duplicate po- content. He described what it is, how it works, et cetera, and how Google treats it. And he also gives some tips on how to, you know, help your, you know, help your own site get out of this duplicate content filter or whatever you might want to call it. And he explains that it's not a penalty it's really just a way for Google to figure out which are the most important pages. They don't want to have duplicate pages for many reasons. So the list he came is like, you know, block appropriately. Obviously, use your robots.txt file to block pages that might be duplicate and you don't want the search engines to have. Um, use 301s. Obviously, redirect pages that are pure duplicates to the main parent's page that is not the duplicate. So that's a good strategy to use. Be consistent with your URLs. Um, obviously, not don't have the same URL five times for the same page. Use TLDs for language-specific content. So if you have a, I don't know, a German site and you want to, you should have it at .de if possible. Um, syndicate carefully, obviously with blogs and stuff. Make sure whoever syndicates your content does not use an exact duplicate, you know, match of your content because that could ruin your rankings. Use the preferred domain feature of Webmaster Tools. So you could either do www or non www. Search engine land never uses www. Search engine roundtable uses www. So you should always stick with one and try to stick with it. Um, use the I'm oh, sorry. Minimize the boilerplate repetition. Obviously, um, if you have a site about I don't know real estate and you say you know New York, um, you know real estate, then you have like California real estate, and you have you know, all the Texas real estate and so on, and it's all the same exact content. All you do is replace the actual, you know, New York, the state to whatever it is. Mm. That, could, that could cause a lot of uh, duplicate content issues as well. 
So you want to go in and you know, you know, mix up that content. I've also avoid publishing empty pages. Understand your CMS, and if somebody takes your content, use the DMCA form. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, th I think I'll go to Ben with this and see what your thoughts on on the topic. Yeah, this is a really good um, particular topic, and I wanted to add that. Um especially with boilerplate repetition, sometimes there's like drop-down options that can be an issue. And I know they were talking about that a little bit on Webmaster World. Um, but, you know, if you have large drop-downs, sometimes it can show up in the content. Sometimes it can be really hard to fix. Um, so if you do have that case where you have large drop-downs with a lot of the same stuff, as Barry mentioned, kind of, you know, real estate or product names or whatever, then try to clean that up as best possible. And robots.txt is also very... Um, good to use in the case of avoiding publishing stubs. So um, use that to block CGI directories or even just specific URLs for blogs and such like that can clean it up. I know recently we've done that with a couple clients of mine to help fix some stuff, and it's worked out pretty well. Cool. Um, Chris, what are your thoughts? Well, I really appreciate this post. As it, This is a topic we've covered at, at a few shows, and uh, I think I remember when we were in uh, Chicago, we talked about it in the I mentioned that uh, you know this is such a hard uh, uh, topic to really pinpoint as to what the search engines are really looking for. So I appreciate Adam for coming forth. I think uh, again, uh, focusing on the boilerplate repetition, uh, this is something that I've often thought in the past, and I, I was under the impression that uh, you know Google did a block level analysis, and as long as this was within like the top or the bo or the bottom navigation or the side navigation, it really didn't discount. But I think it's interesting how. He said that it's unless it's the primary content on the many pages, and that actually brings me to a lot of our clients are pharmaceutical, uh, you know, big brands, and uh, there's a lot of legalese that they have to put on their pages, and and in some cases that legalese does dwarf the rest of the content on the page. So uh, this is something we're going to have to look towards and and try to see if we can find a, a workaround for that, or or see if uh, Google is actually really. Uh, um, not necessarily penalizing, but uh, discounting some of that content due simply because of the legalese on, on the pharma pages, for example. Right. Right. Yeah, so you have to test that. And the big question is, what percentage of the page has to be unique content? That's the big question. Everybody's asking, does it have to be 50%? Does it have to be 22.3%? What's that percentage? And there is no percentage. And it's really, there's no exact number. And you just got to look at your competition. You got to look at the, the niche you're in. And you got to look at your pages relative to each other and figure out what that percentage is for your site. Um, in any event, I'm gonna we're going to take a commercial break right now, and then we'll get back into some other topics soon. So let's hit a commercial break. Sit tight and don't move. The Pulse. Pulse. We'll be back after this short break. Over 4,000 clients around the world are utilizing effective content-based solutions from InfoSearch Media with the expertise of over 200 professional copywriters to work for you. Studies show that the number one factor visitors consider before making a purchase online is trust. And nothing creates more trust and loyalty than well-written, informative content. High-quality content also generates free search engine traffic. Content is definitely king. Visit InfoSearch 
Parkerchmedia.com today. Are your domains working hard enough for you? Now, park your portfolio at RevenueDirect.com to maximize your earnings on traffic. With RevenueDirect's proven domain monetization service, you'll experience better payouts, more options, and smart optimization. Sign up free now at RevenueDirect.com. It's that easy. RevenueDirect. Make more money. Period. Dude, fishing in Costa Rica is going to be awesome. Amen, bro. Now that ValueClick Media had netted FastClick, we've got one of the largest online advertising networks fishing us for big bucks. You know, while we're out catching snapper. Hey, Steve, you're coming too, right? No, I'm still using BenIsRUs.com. I can't afford to be away. You've got to work with ValueClick Media. i got this great account manager who's easy to work with, and they have access to the best advertisers and earn me high rates. Don't worry. We'll bring back pictures. Yeah, terrific. Visit ValueClick Media now and click on Solutions for Publishers for more details. Value Click Media. Now, back to The Pulse. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. Hey, and welcome back to The Search Pulse. My name is Barry Schwartz. Again with us is Ben and Chris. So I just wanted to make sure everybody was there and everybody's here, and I wanted to move over to the next topic, which is talking about CSS. Um, there was a thread over at Webmaster World, which sparked the you know basically it sparked a post from me in relation to a, a session I, I was at last week about CSS, AJAX, Web 2.0, and search engines at SES Chicago. And in that session, they discussed a lot of topics about CSS and how people could, you know, hide stuff in CSS and AJAX. Like, it's like the new form of cloaking, but it really is not really cloaking because whatever. But it's a way of hiding text. So the question is, um, what I did was I looked at how, what some of the search engine representatives, their responses were, and it really fueled with Yahoo and how Yahoo said that, you know, you should leave open your CSS, you know, directory. So let's say you have all your CSS files in a directory or your JavaScript in a directory, don't robot.txt file and don't exclude those in your robot.txt file because, you know, Yahoo said, I want to go ahead and look in there. It might raise a flag that you're blocking it. And what I found surprising was not the fact necessarily that Yahoo actually said that because sometimes Yahoo would say things like that, but was that, that the new Google, Google guy who was there, um, it wasn't Matt Cotts, it wasn't Adam, it wasn't anybody, that norm, the, the people that you normally see up there. It was a new one, for, I think, from the New York office. He went ahead and said he agreed pretty much with with um, Yahoo saying, um, and let me see if I could, uh, I don't know if I have a quote here, but he basically said that, you know, you should not go ahead and uh, you should not block it because Google might want to take a look. And Google will, they see said, Google will be indexing and looking at your CSS files and reading those files. And that's typically something that search engines would typically not say. Um, overall, uh, I'm, you know, I don't think you should hide anything in your CSS files or, or anything like that because it's very easy to spot in terms of people looking at it and if you want to, you know, do it the right way if you're going to do it, if you're going to do this and if you're going to do it, um, do it the right way. If not, then just don't do it at all. Don't play games with the search engines. Make sure you do everything right, obviously. Um, but it was just funny that Google went ahead and said, you know, yeah, we're going to go ahead and do that because I never heard them say that. And Chris, I don't know if you have, you know, your thoughts on this that differ, but let me, let's hear it, Chris. Well, I liked your your uh, post on the subject. I thought it was uh, interesting in the way that you questioned uh, sort of the way that they're doing it. Um, 
it, to me, this is kind of goes back almost to the same thing we were talking about with the reciprocal linking. There's an intent issue that's very difficult for search engines to really determine without actually spending human capital to go in there and look at it if they have to do it. So um, if people, um, and, and this also boils down to, to sort of the bad eggs out there who are taking advantage of these vulnerabilities within the search engines al- algorithms to, uh, to spam sites in there and, and everything. And, and, and I'm not trying to start an all-out war against, against these kind of people, but uh, the, these are the things, these ty- type of techniques cause the search engines to go back and try to, to figure out what they're doing and how they're doing it. And in some cases, just like with the reciprocal linking or with, with, uh, with other situations where people may be using no flash uh, tags or some things of that nature, there's going to be people that are going to abuse the system and therefore there's going to be people that are innocent and are going to get thrown under the bus because of the fact that these people um, have taken advantage of it. So it, it, it's just kind of a shame, I think, that, that it has to be like this. And, and often the technology and the use of this very technology is a, well ahead of the search engine algorithms. So it's going to be a constant game of catch-up for the search engine algorithms, and, and it's a continuation of the cat-and-mouse game as usual. Right. Good point. Um, ben, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I thought it was a very interesting thread, and especially when they came out and said that you should not block your CSS. Um, I mean, I'll go ahead and give the advice that I think you should actually block your CSS from the, sp- the search engine, since really none of their business um, in, in any way. And they've been, you know, spidering CSS and JavaScript for some time, so this is not necessarily a new thing. But, you know, being able to decipher whether, you know, you're doing something that's an intent to, you know, increase your search engine rankings through CSS um, is really, really hard to do. Um, you know, I've had a lot of experience with this, and, and just this past weekend I was working with a client who, you know, and their designer who was trying to um, put some text behind images, and they were basically negatively positioning um, the text um, 9,000, you know, places over so you couldn't see it in any way. Now, a lot, some of those particular tactics, those are kind of common, and those are things you can find just about anywhere. So if a search engine was able to come along and spider your CSS and look for those specific parameters, they would be able to find it um, for that. And there could give rise to possibly penalizations because of that. But if they can't spider your CSS in any way, there's no way they can find out what you're doing. Um, you know, so in my opinion, I don't think there's anything to worry about it just because they came out and said not to block your CSS. You know, well, yeah, and this is also... In my opinion, it's also you know controversial. You know, they shouldn't be saying that because they don't. They want you to block files that are not useful to them. And typically, right. a CSS file or a JavaScript file or any of those types of files that you know normal users would not actually read. Normal users do not read your CSS files. They don't read your JavaScript files. Then you should block it because search engines have no use for them. And mm-hmm. it's just you know what I'm saying, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and the majority of sites actually don't block their CSS. I mean, you see a lot of sites, especially clients you work with, too, they don't even use robots.txt until you come in and say, hey, you need to do this and this and that to, to protect yourself or whatever. And they're not going to be able to figure it out, and I really wouldn't worry about it. I think it's very weird that they're saying that you should leave it open in the first place. They have no business being in there and messing with your design. Right, I agree. All right, let's move on to the next topic. Um, where the next topic is basically a big thing about AdSense where one of the tricks to increase your click-through rate in AdSense was to put images pretty much very close to, as close as possible to your AdSense ads. And as long as those images are very close and they're kind of like, it kind of pushes the eye towards the ad, 
for you know pushes the user's eyes toward the ad, and the user will probably click on it more likely than he wouldn't. So Google came out with this official policy um, last night that you are no longer allowed to put images next to your AdSense ads. What that caused was a huge you know forum discussion, specifically at Digital Point forums and also at Webmaster World, and I'm sure at the other forums too. But Digital Point is huge AdSense base, where people were you know very upset about this new ruling. Some weren't, but most probably were upset about it. Um, and, you know, that's the rule. I mean, you can't put images, you can no longer put images right next to your ads. And there's all these examples, and you can take a look at the examples at the blog. Um, but overall, I mean, people are not too happy with it. Um, Chris, I, I don't think you're so much involved in AdSense, but I don't know if you had time to take a look at this. I did take a quick look at it, and um, to me, it, it makes sense. Uh, you know, it goes along with Google's wanting to provide the, what people are looking for when they click on something. So, I mean, it makes sense that they would want to protect sort of the real estate around their ads as to not try to, um, you know, potentially confuse people as to what they're actually clicking on. Right. There's some questions in the chat room about it. hasn't this always been their policy? Well, in reality, it's been wishy-washy. Um, they told some people it's okay, some people it's not. They actually featured, and I have a link to it, they actually featured a site in the past in their, you know how they showcase AdSense sites, and they featured one of those sites that actually had images right next to their ads. So if they feature one in their, you know, test, you know, in their showcase section, obviously something is okay and something's not. And this policy is pretty straightforward in saying, hey, now it's not allowed for sure, and they are going to go ahead and take action. Ben, I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I've seen some of those sites that use do do it, and their you know click through rates obviously a lot higher. Um, you know, I think this is just giving a lot more leverage for Google to come in and, and you know police kind of the AdSense people in a lot of ways. Um, you know, they were commenting on the forums too that the, you know a lot of people are doing this successfully and not getting caught. So you know, I guess the question you have to ask is how much your AdSense check is really worth to you? Is it worth enough to get banned, or is it you know? Worth enough, not so much that you can actually do images around your ads to encourage click-throughs. Um, right. Personally, I've never done the ads, I mean the images with my AdSense ads um, to do it, and I've still had pretty good results in terms of stuff that I've done. But Right. I guess you, each advertiser will have to check their own CTR based on removing those ads, um, those images next to the ads, and see if it's worth taking the risk or not, and how far to push that. You know how far to push that line and to experiment with this stuff. So it's another challenge for AdSense advertisers. It's one of the many they've been, you know, presented with over the years, and it's just one more. And I'm sure they will go ahead and uh, let uh, you know, go ahead and you know, find other ways to monetize off their ads. Um, they're very creative, so it should be interesting. Dave was um, asking in the chat room if you think they'd give a warning first. Um. Usually they don't. They just ban you, don't they? Yeah. Most of the time, I mean, from whatever with people, they just. I mean, it just depends on the severity of what you're doing. It depends on a few things. Yeah, obviously. I mean, I personally got away with murder because um, I've tested things and I've tested putting images in the ads and like having animations in the ads. Um, but they haven't banned me yet, and I've done some pretty bad things. It really depends on how much money you bring into them, um, and you know if you're a premium publisher or not, and. It depends. And the good thing about Yahoo's publisher network, they actually give warnings for for most of your things now and it actually be documented in, in the portal that you log into. But Google doesn't have that yet. I'm hoping one day they'll add that. That would be pretty cool. So I don't know. I mean, right now they just pretty much, most of the people just get banned and they don't even know it. And they, they have no way of getting back in. 
All right, so the next topic is something we found, I think, today or yesterday was that Yahoo, Tim Meyer of Yahoo actually said that Yahoo is now going to support that Yo- no Yahoo directory tag in January sometime. So back on October 26th was when Yahoo said, hey, we are going to go ahead and start working on a solution like a no ODP equivalent to the Yahoo directory tag. So if you do a search in Yahoo, sometimes what comes up is the Yahoo directory title instead of your title from your actual um, title tag. And what Yahoo said is, okay, we're going to add a feature sometime in the future where you can actually say, Yahoo, don't use the Yahoo directory tag, rather use my um, you know, title tag. And this is the first time we heard of a specific type of time frame, and, Yah- and Tim from Yahoo said, it's going to happen in the next update in January sometime. So hopefully it will be call- happen around January 11th, 12th, or 13th or something, around that area, I'm thinking. And I'm look- a lot of people are looking forward to it. Um, ben, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this, too. I know they were working on thought about it, so I think this is really you know, cool of Yahoo to do this, particularly, and Tim's been following up a lot on it. And I know a bunch of people that will be excited when this comes out and get ready to use that tag because it will definitely improve how their listing looks in the engine. Cool. And Chris? Yeah, I think it's a cool thing. I'm trying to figure out the history on this. Was it you, Barry, that originally suggested this you know, Yahoo directory tag, or was that in, in one of those Webmaster World threads where someone asked for it? I can't, yeah, I can't everything, exactly. everything, everything I personally do comes from the forums. So if I see that people in the forums really want something, I'll push towards it. And these are one of the, one of the things that I push towards. So I don't take credit for it at all. I just help push Yahoo to find it and do something about it. Um, so, yeah, it was something that we first reported at the Search the Roundtable, and Yahoo has make, made changes because of it. And it's great. I'm very happy for that. Um. Anything else to add, Chris? Oh, no, thanks. All right, cool. All right, so that's that, and look for it after the new year. It should be something that's praised by everybody. Um, The next topic is about Panama. Um, This morning, there was a post at Surgeon and Watch Forums about Panama saying that this person, I forgot who posted it, but I think it was a moderator, posted that they have no choice, but they have to upgrade, they have to migrate by... January 10th. I, I took that to mean that all Panama and everybody who's in the Overture network has to upgrade by January 10th in the U.S.-based Overture network. I got a phone call later today that saying from a Yahoo person that that's not true. Everybody will have to migrate in the Q, Q1 of 2007, but they are migrating people, mandatory migration, migrating people over on a group-by-group basis. What that means is if somebody signed up to with an invitation to try out Panama on, let's say, I don't know, I don't know, two weeks ago, then they might have a date altogether of mandatory upgrading on January 10th. But if they signed up, let's say, four weeks ago, they might have a mandatory upgrade of January 3rd. So it really is on a group-by-group basis, and the, the goal for Yahoo is to get everybody to upgrade by Q, the end of Q1. Um, currently, the only way new advertisers can get into the program is they can only go through Panama, uh, and they can no longer go through Overture, which is that was done last week. Um, and that is another topic. I'll just group it in here. And that's another topic where only uh, Yahoo only allows new advertisers to go ahead and um, go with Panama. They can't go with the old advertising system. So, Chris, what are your thoughts? I mean, what are your clients thinking? Have they, have they prepped for it? Obviously, you know, Avenue A has probably been testing this thing out for a long time. So what are your thoughts on this? 
Well, um, yeah, we actually had the first official migration to Panama on October 17th, one of our pharma clients. So we've been working with this for a while, especially in the New York office. Uh, but that aside, for a moment, I just want to, I, I want to, I know I may take some, some crap for this, but I have a little song that I just wrote in honor of the holidays. Okay. It goes like this. Here comes Panama, here comes Panama, right down paperclick way. Demographics and day parting, more with which to play. Da, da, da. Anyway, I thought that was pretty good. So <laughs> happy holidays, oh, everyone. Nice, and there's the Panama song. I'll probably uh, go up against Danny Sullivan for the best songs of the year uh, with that uh, little ditty there. That's uh, definitely up there. I, I took all my time with that song, so let's let Ben talk about it. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I got that song stuck in my head now, Chris. Can't get it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I've been playing around Panama for like couple several weeks, and um, actually had somebody call me, interview me about using it um, for some publication or something, which I thought was kind of interesting. But uh, I think it's kind of a natural step for you know Yahoo to go ahead and do this. If you're signing up for their search marketing, you're obviously going to need to get the new one and, and gradually moving over support for you know Yahoo Panama. It's a good. It's a good platform. It's really great. The only thing I don't like, maybe the kind of the bid structure, editing bids, but beyond that, everything looks really good. It refreshes really nicely, and um, a lot of good stuff. So, you know, if you haven't tried it out already, go ahead and request an update. Um, it takes about a week and a half or so for them to fully get done, um, but I think most people will like it. Chris, do you have one more thing? Yeah, one th one more thing is, like I said, we are working a lot with this, so I'd be happy when we talk about this again in mid-January, which I'm sure it'll be a forum topic. I'll have some more information uh, from from our point of view uh, of how it's been working. And hopefully some new lyrics, because that song was great. Yeah, yeah, the next <laughs> verse will come out. <laughs> great, great. Okay, all right, so let's hit a commercial break now, and we'll get back to some more, we'll get to some Google topics next. Sit tight and don't move. The Pulse. Pulse. We'll be back after this short break. Click Tracks, all new version 6. Prepare to segment your visitors and build custom reports on the fly with the most comprehensive and intuitive web analytics programs on the planet. Dan Noyes, president of Zephoria.com, writes, Click Tracks is like a religion to us. We rarely consult our clients on site or campaign changes without first seeing what Click Tracks reveals. Sign up for your free trial today. Your only risk, you may end up in our next commercial. ClickTracks.com, turning your future into a fortune. Get clicked, covered, and rained on. All week long on webmasterradio.fm. Your destination for education and entertainment. Webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. Now, back to The Pulse. Pulse. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. Hey, and welcome back to the Search Pulse. This is Barry Schwartz. Again, with me is Ben Pfeiffer and Chris Box. Um, one, first of all, those commercials are great. Great work, uh, Webmaster Radio team. Uh, really good stuff. On a side, all right, so let's get back to the topics. Google, this Ben broke this story from a, a digital point form thread uh, where he found that Google has discontinued the free Google SOAP API search key. So is that key used to remember when Google came out with uh, an API for their search uh, tool and they came out, we had to get these keys. And it 
looks like, if you go to the Google SOAP API page, it says, as of December 5th, 2006, we are no longer actively supporting the SOAP search API. We encourage you to use the Ajax search API instead. Now, this, yeah, so this is just like a big change in terms of everybody used to use the API for you know, all the different tools, such as Digital Point has a great tool for tracking your rankings and you have to plug in your API key. But now it looks like Google is not going to support that anymore. Uh, but it looks like the old keys are still working. The question is, um, they're not, are they still allowing new keys to work? Or are they, are they going to continue to support this in any way at all? And obviously people are upset because the Ajax is not as flexible as the SOAP protocol. So there's been a lot of discussion about that today in different blogs, um, but I wanted Ben to go ahead and talk about this a little more if you can. Yeah, definitely. Um, I kind of found this last week. Um, I was trying to set up a client um, to track their Google rankings, and they didn't have a key, and so I pointed them to a link, and they were like, well, I can't get the key. And I was like, okay, that's kind of strange. So I went and checked it out, and apparently, yep, December 5th, they said they no longer actively support it. Um, the deal is, though, is that keys are still being given out, and there's a link on the Search Engine Roundtable specific um, story that I, I wrote where you can get that key and sign up for one. However, on the next page, it basically takes you to a blank for a four page at Google. However, it will send you it on your email. So the keys are still coming out. They still work. How long they're going to still be around, that's debatable. I don't know. But they seem to be still working plenty fine. As it said, they're no longer actively supporting it. So it means they haven't really technically canceled it. You know, what they wanted to do in its place was, I think, the Ajax um, particular API, which, are, which is kind of slick and very neat if you wanted to spruce up your blog or website or something, but really no functionality beyond using that particular search box. Um, and, you know, the API they supply with that doesn't work with anything else. So if you haven't got a key, I recommend getting one um, if, you're, if you're using some of the tracking. Um, and I don't know why they didn't publicly release it either. It was kind of very quiet behind-the-scenes stuff that just happened last week. Right, that is true. And Chris, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, no, Ben covered it all. Right. Yeah, so it is a good point that Google didn't warn anybody about this. They Once they did it, too, they did not actually go ahead and uh, write a blog post saying, hey, we've done this. So people are a little bit upset with um, people are a little upset with Google in general about this, about this by, one, not communicating it, two, just discontinuing it, and three, um, not telling people after the fact as well. So... That's a big thing. I mean, thing. the thing is, is if, like, if you go to their API blog, they, you know, constantly update stuff about what's going on, and this was just kind of left out, so people were... And I think maybe that's why this story got picked up by so many different places, was that there was really nothing there about it. You know, they have everything from video to custom search engine support to blah, 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 so... Right. No, no. Okay. Um, the next topic is, well, let me ask Chris. I mean, if you were an SEO, which you are, which... <laughs> keyword phrase or an area of SEO would you not touch on? Uh, probably Viagra, Forex. Uh, you know, that's, those are the two big ones. Uh, a lot of the, the online, the pharmacy terms are really tough. Gambling. Just right. basically the PPCs are, are tough. I mean, you know, they're right. bad neighborhoods, plus they're tough to rank for. Right, and that was a topic of a pretty popular thread at, thread at Third Generation Watch Forbes where they listed out all the, all the very competitive niche um, areas of SEO that if you're new to SEO, you probably would not want to get into. Um, they include, and I'll just read down the list, 
Um, this is from the forum again. Online pharmacy, gambling, mortgages and loans, legal sites, porn slash adult, dating slash personals, modeling, website hosting, SEO, gifts and gift baskets, real estate, affiliates, cheap codes where and wares, and travel. Those are the main you know topics. So it seems like everything is like over there. Um, but there are still some areas that you could actually get into. Um, uh, ben, do you want to like add some things that are yeah, not as competitive? Um, uh, yeah, there's uh, commodity trading, which is very busy too. Um, affiliate stuff is big in it. Real estate, obviously, as well. Um, you know, the list pretty much covers it. I know in my own practice and stuff, I've never really done anything. Yeah, and Chris also mentions anything that's kind of um, well, that's kind of falls into porn, I guess you could say. But uh, I've never done anything with pharmacy, pills, or casino, um, or affiliates. Um, type of sites or legal sites, and I've never done any of those. However, on this list, I've done about half of those, and gift baskets, web hosting, dating and personals, and real estate and stuff like that. And those are areas, I mean, that you still can get into, but, you know, as Ian mentioned from the original thread, they're ones that you're just going to have to really, really work at, and um, you'd be surprised the amount of websites that still come out these days that are still trying to target these various terms, and it's, it's oftentimes it's really ridiculous. I get a lot of requests for proposals from um, real estate areas and also from um, futures trading and forex stuff like that, and I just oftentimes have to say no. Hey, yeah, I'd, I'd like to add. I mean, I think uh, Ian had had a great uh, you know great point, and 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 what he said about uh, realtors was unfortunately it's a generalization, but it, it seems to be. I've heard that before. Um, I actually dealt with a, a realtor in in Maryland and. Uh, the same kind of problems where you know they were slow on on paying and uh, they also just never got it even though they they got the sale uh, you know they figured and they they understood that this was going to be a difficult even though we were targeting pretty niche terms that it would still take take a little while they never really accepted the fact that it took so long it's like they need instant uh, gratification and it makes sense because realtors are often are putting out their own money for their marketing so it's not like they're uh, in, in many cases, working uh, you know with uh, uh, marketing money that's coming from the top. In, in a lot of cases, they're putting out their own money, so they're going to be a bit more demanding. But that's a tough one. And there's, there's that's a, a good point, Chris. I mean, I, I've had a lot of realtor clients, and I've done really well with them. But oftentimes, like I have a ton of them come to me, and they all say the same thing. They all want to be, I want to be the best. I want to be number one, and I want to do it yesterday. And you just kind of look at them, and you just shake your head, and you say, you know what? It's going to take a lot longer. And they they say they're devoted to it, and so you start a campaign in it. But they have very high expectations. I also wanted to add celebrities, um, books, popular books are also area to stay out of, um, and then celebrity websites, and um, also gaming as well, which maybe would fall in kind of cheat codes and stuff. Um, those are real popular, high, high, high traffic sites. And then you could also add in kind of social media stuff too, like MySpace or Facebook. Like there's a bazillion MySpaces. Uh, sites these days for layouts and everything under the sun. Those are getting really highly competitive too these days, and I would I wouldn't even start a website in there. Cool. All right, thank you guys for that. That's very good information. Um, something that's more newsworthy in terms from a Google release. Google released something called Patent Search, a Google Patent Search, and um, it's at I think it's at www.google.com/patents, and it's basically a way for you to search the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, um, their database, and they didn't. They don't have everything in there yet, and it's not the perfect tool yet. But there was a great link over to Gary Price where he had 
he has a link to he has links and other resources of other free patent search databases from the U.S. and also international databases, which was great. Um, ben, have you actually tried it out at all? Um, I have a little bit. I was um, searching around for various terms and um, was actually searching for ringtone patents just because I was interested to see what was out there for that um, and came across some interesting stuff. They seem to be, the, the patents they kind of pull out are nothing, they don't seem to be very recent. It seems to be kind of everything that was like before 2004, and I can't get a whole lot that's like 2005, 2006 type of stuff. But right. it's very cool. You can see a lot of the, dim, like the you know, specific um drawing to stuff they do for the, the patents and the applications and the inventions, which are neat, which you usually sometimes can't get on the U.S. patent website, I think. Right. And Chris, do you play with it at all? Uh, I haven't played with it, but I'm sure that uh, Bill Slosky is going to come up with some good topics. I would imagine he's probably already commented on it at uh, CO by the Sea. I, I don't know. I haven't checked yet. It's something I want to check, but I'm sure that'll be, uh, it's practically made for Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, okay, um, the next topic was about Yahoo WebRank. Back on, I think, around March 18, 2004, Yahoo released something what they called Yahoo WebRank. It's basically the page rank for Yahoo, and back then they defined it as a, tech, a technical measurement of a particular URL's popularity. If you choose to enable the Yahoo WebRank feature on your Yahoo companion toolbar, a toolbar icon will display the Yahoo WebRank value of each URL that you visit. The Yahoo web rank value ranges from 1 to 10. This feature is currently in beta. And then all of a sudden, I don't know when, but yeah, I think it must have been over a year ago, probably Yahoo stopped. Those pages just died. They didn't work anymore in Yahoo, in the, uh, Yahoo website. So any links to those pages returned like a 404 and took you to some other generic page. Um, so the question is, what happened to it? And... Nobody really knows. But then Tim Meyer from Yahoo went ahead and commented in our, in our discussion. He's like, um, he basically wants to know, are people interested in having this feature back? What's the point? Why are people talking about that? Are they just curious or do they want this feature back? And the general consensus was, when I went ahead back into the forum and asked people, is that they said, no, we don't want it back. We're just curious what happened to it. So, I don't know. I mean, Chris, do you want it back or, what, you know? Uh, I personally never really uh, looked at it. Uh, to me, the first thing I thought when I looked at this is it reminded me of that whole recent Jeremy Zawadney, Matt Cutts, tete-a-tete uh, -tete in their blogs in regards to stealing content, and that possibly maybe uh, this could have been considered if it was a uh, uh, web rank value page from 1 to 10, that it could have been considered uh, maybe something kind of similar to page rank. So I don't know, maybe they were, uh, you know, they chose to not continue it because of that, or I, I don't know. This is pure speculation, but that's what I first thought when I saw it. Uh, but no, I, I, yeah, actually, I would lo I'd love to see that. I'd love to see how Yahoo, you know, even though I'm not really that much of an advocate of, of putting all your faith into PageRank, it, it's nice to use as a sort of a guide and, a, and an estimator, so it'd be nice if Yahoo had one, too. Okay, and Ben, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I, I, I remember when this came out, we all kind of looked at it, and it was in the toolbar, and there was a couple tools that were developed where you could check your web, Yahoo's web rank, and um, I guess it just came down to the fact that not a lot of people were using it, I think, and maybe Yahoo decided just to kind of say goodbye, Xnay, on the web rank, and I think it was kind of maybe hard for people to understand, too, or maybe manipulate, and they just was like, why am I getting this, and it was a, basically a measure of URL popularity, but it was too hard to correlate between your bar and what you really had, I think. So, 
I don't know. I don't miss it. I never really use it very much to begin with. Right. I believe when they first launched, you and I were joking about it, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't remember exactly. But yeah, it's, it was. Yeah, they, they no longer. I don't think they're going to go return it because nobody really wants it except for maybe it'll give Chris some type of a uh, way to use it just for Chris alone. But anyway, I think we have about four minutes left, and I have to take us into lightning round. So I'm going to go through the remaining. It looks like. I don't know, 15 topics really quickly for you. This way you have an idea of what other topics were deemed important in the, for, in the forums by us at the Search Engine Roundtable. All right, the first thing is Google is now registering domain names through their Google apps. So if you go to google.com slash A and you want to go ahead and register a domain name for one of their services, you could go ahead and do that. They're using GoDaddy and uh, Enom for that service. Uh, the next thing is a topic um, where you can actually go ahead and exclude um, AdWords content, content and park domains, the, the content and park domains networks from your, your ads. So if you have ads and you don't want to come up in park domain names or content network, you can actually go ahead and do that. I'm not exactly clear on how that works, but there is a link out to that on our blog, and you go ahead and read that more. Um, and that's really in, re in relation to this conversation at Webmaster World about a video that demonstrates how you go from pay-per-click ad to pay-per-click ad to pay-per-click ad to domain landing page, again, back and forth. This is the whole thing about click arbitrage and all this other stuff that is an issue for Google. Um, and that Google, all the advertisers, a lot of people want Google to go ahead and work on uh, harder than they are now. Um, Google has updated their AdSense payment terms. Uh, there was a conversation on that. Also, there was some conversation on uh, new Google logo on December 12th uh, for Edvard Munch. I can't I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. He's basically a famous artist, and they had his, his scream, the painting, the scream in the Google logo, which is pretty cool. I wonder if they get sued for that. Yahoo has been reported as mishandling the superscript HTML tag in the cache. I think that has been resolved, but I'm not 100% sure yet. Um, Google allows employees to auction off their own stocks. It's called the Google um, TOS, and it gives, basically gives them the ability to auction off their stock options as real stock, which is pretty cool. It's something that hasn't been done before. Microsoft Ad Center had a bug in their average, average reported position, so I think that's probably fixed now, but if you did see weird results, it should be resolved now. Um, ben wrote a great post about the Google's new Plus Box and how it could be used for local businesses, so go ahead and take a look at that. Google is now showing related searches at the bottom. I did a sample search on Michael Jordan, and you could probably do that and look, scroll down to the bottom. You might see related searches. Otherwise, go ahead and go to our blog, and you'll see some screenshots for it. This has been confirmed by Matt Cutts of Google that this is a test running. Microsoft has switched roles with Baidu by running, um, having Baidu run their ads on all Microsoft China properties in um, China. So Baidu's running that. It's kind of funny how Baidu's doing it and not Microsoft quick and official way to check your Google site status in Google. Um, that way is to um, go to Google Webmaster Central, and there's a link on our blog to their site status tool. You do not have to have a registered account to do that. Um, another thing is how to choose an SEO company, an article written by, I think, um, Chris, but it might have been Ben. I forgot. And that's a good article on that. Um, Google and Orange are working on a mobile phone, the Google phone, and a lot of discussion about that, too. Um, international publishers and advertisers are receiving their Google holiday, holiday gifts. I today got my Yahoo Publisher Network gift, uh, t uh, sweatshirt, and a USB mug cooler. 
Um, it keeps your uh, drinks cold instead of warm. Pretty cool. OmniFind is a free enterprise uh, search by IBM and Yahoo, and you should go ahead and check it out. And Google, finally, last thing is Google showcases um, Ad Centers, which we discussed about AdSense Publisher near the images, which we discussed earlier. So that really wraps up the 13th edition of the Search Pulse. I hope to post a recap tomorrow afternoon after the show is archived at seroundtable.com. That's the Search and Roundtable. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email me at barryrustybrick.com or comment in tomorrow's post. Again, that's 13th edition of the Search Pulse, Tuesday, December 19th. And thank you, Ben, Chris, and a special thank you to Eric Ward. You can visit him at ericward.com. And tune in next week at 5 p.m. for that show. Everyone, have a great night.